Writer-director Dean Craig's film career took off in 2007 when he wrote the hit UK comedy Death at a Funeral, starring Matthew McFadden, Keely Hawes, and Peter Dinklage, directed by Frank Oz. The film won several audience awards for Best Film and was remade in the US starring Chris Rock, Zoe Saldana, Martin Lawrence, and Tracy Morgan. In 2020, Craig turned his attention to directing as well as writing with his debut film, Love Wedding Repeat. Craig went on to write and direct The Honeymoon with Maria Bakalova and Asim Chowdhury, and The Estate, starring Tony Collette, Anna Faris, Kathleen Turner, and David Duchovny. Craig's other writing producing credits include the films Caffeine and A Few Best Men, as well as creating the comedy series Off the Hook with Jonathan Bailey and Hit the Road, starring Jason Alexander. Dean Craig, welcome to The Creative Process. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we've just been enjoying The Honeymoon. Could you just set it up for us? Because I think it's something that chimes with all of us who've had that kind of friend that we couldn't, (laughs) who would intrigue upon every moment. It's an exciting sort of charming friendship. Yeah. So it was kind of, I just wanted to write a film about friendship really and about especially that time when your friend gets married you know because you sort of I grew up with a lot of very close male friendships and then you know one by one the friends would get married and the friendship changes and then their number one person isn't necessarily you anymore the the sort of male friend it's their partner so I just think it's a really interesting thing that we all have to deal with on some level and I thought it would be funny if this particular groom has this friend who just won't let go, you know, who just won't, won't have it. And so, you know, created this character of Bav that, that I thought would be just a sort of a, a fun, like, and won't let go to the point where he actually ends up on the honeymoon with the couple. Like he is that sort of entrenched in this friendship. So it's a film about friendship that I think is meant to be funny, obviously, you know, we wanted it to be fun and funny and sweet and, you know, and hopefully a good entertaining time for the audience. Well, it does. And it does ring a chord. And at some moments in the friendship, I mean, <laughs> you do wonder whether Adam or his bride, Sarah, could not put their foot down a bit stronger. Uh, you know, at some points, it's like a hostage situation. <laughs> yeah, well, at some point, well, there actually is a hostage situation. But in even within the friendship, there is a bit of a hostage situation. And, you know, and guilt, obviously, is a big factor. That was something I wanted to delve into the idea that Adam feels this sort of sense of guilt and sense of responsibility towards his old friend for various things that have happened in their past. And I think that's an important factor as to why he allows this situation to get out of control in the way it does. Indeed, because it's hard, you know, with all of our instant friendships that we have, it's hard to let go of those who've known us the longest, you know, they really witnessed our lives. That's true. I mean, there are some friends that I have that are kind of where especially those friends from like real childhood where you can and do say anything you know you can like the, there's not the uh the sort of the etiquette that you might have with newer friendships and boundaries are completely broken and and you just end up in a yeah the very different kind of friendship and i think one that that is wonderful in many ways in many respects to have those relationships and i'm very happy for them but they do tend to have blurred boundaries in those friendships i think you came up as a writer producer and now you directed this and I've been told that in the writer's room things can also get a little bit very candid you know I'm wondering about some of your comedy friendships and how you found your writing voice and the frankness that one can have in those rooms 
Right. Well, I mean, I don't really do writers. I mean, I, the only time I had a writer's room was when I did a television show. But otherwise, everything I've written is has been pretty much solo. There's been a couple of scripts that I've written with friends and colleagues. But otherwise, the writing room is really me and myself and my computer. And then, of course, I collaborate with my producers. And in the past, I've collaborated with directors. So there is a back and forth. But it's interesting with the comedy, of course, you know, there's always a line, you know, and it's like you want to kind of go up to that line and maybe cross it occasionally, but not too far. It's a delicate balance and it gets more, more and more delicate all the time, I would say. But yeah, I think when you are doing comedy, you want to be able to at least try things. Do you know what I mean? And of course, for me and my in my process, I can try anything on a computer and no one no one will see it unless I want them to. So, yeah, there's many times when I'll think, oh, well, I'll try this scene. I'll see what happens if the character does such and such. And then, you know, I might be, well, that's too much. I'm going to have to pull back on that, you know. Yeah, it's an interesting process. And now, of course, you're based in the US, but, you know, you came up in Britain. That whole divide between British and American humor and the things that you can just so easily say, perhaps in Britain, but you can't get away with or you have to adjust. Mm. Well, I think that, yeah, it's an interesting thing with British humor. I think that we probably, and it's very different, like when I write characters that are English and have an English voice to when I have characters that are American having an American voice, it's like the same line will not come across in the same way. I think as Brits, we probably get away with a little bit more. You know, we can be, you know, it's like there's a little bit of charm still to some things that we say that where if you put them in an American voice, it's not so charming. I think that is true. You know, and I think there's, yeah, the, there's a big difference, I think, with American and British humour in that the British have a sort of an inbuilt sense of shame and fear of embarrassment uh, and I think that Americans don't have that in the same way. I'm not saying they don't have it, but it's just not quite the same and it's not quite as pronounced. So I think that, yeah, just sort of, it's a different thing writing for, you know, British comedy. It's a, it's quite specific. It's quite specific. Yeah, I have to very much enjoy writing sort of British British style comedy it's a lot of fun to do yes there's some words you can let loose on and I know that there was the t-shirt that Bab wore the, oh, yeah. you can't see wait see you next Tuesday yeah, you can't right, yeah. those kind of things in in America of course well, you know that word itself has very very different connotations in the US and the UK it's much more acceptable in the UK not that it's wholly acceptable it's still a very rude word but it doesn't have the sort of the misogynistic underpinnings that it is viewed to have in the US. It, so it has a different, it's still offensive, but it's not offensive in quite as uh, sort of extreme a way, I think, as it is in the US. Yes. And so in this film, Maria Bakalova, of course, and we're talking about the British and American comedy greats. Of course, she starred in the, the Borat film. And of course, you've written for some amazing comedic talents and actors, but both British and American, just to list some of those, Jason Alexander, Matthew McFadden, Tony Collette, David Duchovny and Rebel Wilson. Just tell us what it's like writing for their rhythms and particular perspectives and tell us a little bit about your film, The State. Well, writing, you know, what I tend to do, to be totally honest, is I write for the character. I write for the character and then the actor will come on board. And as you listed, I've had some incredible talent that I've been very lucky to have been 
sort of collaborating with and they'll often bring their own rhythm and their own style and sometimes their own words to the role so it's a collaboration especially when you've got talent as you just mentioned you know Rebel for example like she was very you know she's so specific in the way that she does her comedy and the way she plays her roles so she brought a lot of herself a part that we did in A Few Best Men and and David most recently in The Estate also did that you know he came with a lot of ideas a lot of suggestions a lot of funny things that he wanted to do and try out so you have my rhythm on the page and then he brings his rhythm and his attributes and then you get this sort of hopefully wonderful collaboration between writer and director and actor. The Estate is actually the film that I directed most recently. And that's, as you say, with Tony Collette and Anna Faris and David Duchovny and Kathleen Turner. And uh, Rosemary DeWitt and Ron Livingston and uh, Kayla Monteresso and some really wonderful actors. And I think a very fun ensemble that we were able to do there. Yeah, I got kind of... Had a very strange year where I got to do the honeymoon in the estate pretty much back to back with no break in between, which was challenging, but also, you know, amazing to be one minute in Venice with these fantastic actors. I mean, I really, I can't tell you how much I loved working with Maria and Pico and Asim and Lucas. I mean, they were all totally different people and personalities, but all fantastic in their own way. And then I jumped onto the estate set and had those fantastic actors to work with so it's been quite a year I have to say well it's curious you often set your stories in these very key life and death moments often the weddings where life is you know new and we're looking forward to so much and I don't know what's the line description for the estate but it's kind of like a cancer inheritance comedy uh yes (laughs) that's exactly right yeah it's basically it's a comedy about a family where the matriarchal aunt is dying and these cousins sort of come out of the woodwork in the hope that they're going to be written into the will because they all need money for different reasons and they all want to be written in the will and and so they have to basically suck up to this like not very easy lady to try to you know get in her good graces and uh, yeah and it's a comedy it's a dark comedy where people behave or misbehave I should say quite quite badly in order to try to get their hands on the money so, I mean, to become a comedian, like, who scarred you? Who scarred me? Yes, who, where does it come from, this dark Oh, my space? goodness, where do you want me to start? Uh, no, I think that, you know, I grew up, I had a good childhood. My brother is a writer, and he's a playwright, and when I grew up, you know, he was the one who really introduced me to firstly to the idea of writing and also to these amazing, like amazing comedies that we used to write, to watch when we were younger. We used to sort of be like avidly watch Faulty Towers and a lot of other sort of British comedies. And then we sort of started to take on like, the American comedies. I remember as a young teenager watching Seinfeld and Larry Sanders and, and things like that. And so I think that you know, me and my brother just sort of had a real love of comedy and and of writing. And so so that's really where it came from. I mean, I'm sure I'm scarred in all sorts of ways, but I don't know if I attribute that to writing comedy necessarily. You know, I think that I, I sometimes choose areas of life that I find maybe difficult. Like I obviously did Death at a Funeral and that was like, it was a way of finding comedy around a subject that is grim and difficult and uh, upsetting. And my way of dealing with that maybe was to create a comedy out of it, out of a funeral, you know, which uh, it's a, I suppose, a way of dealing with life. Yeah. 
And you mentioned Faulty Towers or Monty Python or Seinfeld. And, you know, there's the logic to a joke. And I'm sure, I don't know if you, as you get rhythms and in your own writing. So when you're looking at other people's writing or your own, how you're breaking down a script and finding those moments and those beats. There's a sort of, there is a a rhythm. I think that when writing is working at its best, it just sort of the rhythm flows out of you. And you sort of almost don't know where it comes from. I mean, when I'm really working well and writing well it's that feeling that I'm sure you know especially to other writers who have this where it's just like your fingers are going and you don't know really what's coming and it's just the characters as long as the characters are clear in your head and they have a clear voice then their dialogue will just come out you know they'll just say what they will say that's it's not it never it doesn't feel like I'm saying it, it feels like the character well this is what the character is going to say and that's why a lot of my characters for example are much more crude and much more you know rude and do kind of things that I would never do in life do you know what I mean I mean it's like because it's a character, it's a character that's just existing and they have their own motivations and goals and wills. So it's a strange process. It's a strange process writing. But uh, yeah, it's almost the, like the better it is, the less you feel like you're actually, you just feel like you're a conduit for it. It's It's strange. And being that conduit for, as you say, bringing in these really great actors and comedic actors. And of course, David Duchovny is also a writer. And I'm sure that some of those other actors are also writers and I don't know about it. You're open to an improvisation process. Like you're okay. There's some magic is happening. Just tell us how that's worked and just how you've been surprised. Oh my goodness. Yes. I love improvisation because from my perspective, the script is there, you know, we'll get the script, we'll shoot the script, and then maybe we'll get some amazing magic on top of that so I'm very up for improvisation some actors love to improvise some don't you know we had Asim for example who is a great great comedic voice and writer and a great improviser and so he would bring always bring an awful lot to every scene so if you're working with that kind of talent you want to use it for sure I mean it's like it would be absolutely ridiculous not to especially for a comedy film if you've got a great comedian you know let's see what they bring to it and they very often do and it's a funny thing because obviously the writer and the director get a lot of the credit for that but a lot of it is down to the actors themselves when they have those abilities and in terms of your other collaborators I mean I'm feeling from you is that you're a director very much focused on the actors and of course you had the great setting of Venice in the honeymoon you know but you have to go after the joke so do you concern yourself a lot with the visuals or how is your collaboration process to you know finish that picture Yeah, of course, film is a visual medium, and I'm very concerned about the visuals. I think that, you know, especially with a comedy, you have to get the comedy, you have to get the characters, and the actors' performances are absolute first and foremost for me. But every film, I think I want to have a style and I want to have a sort of a visual, you know, give a visual sense. So Venice was about really capturing the sort of the beauty of what's happening around these sort of odd bod characters. The estate is a slightly different, it's slightly darker, it's slightly more naturalistic. And that that felt like a good kind of style for that particular film. Love Wedding Repeat is another film where we really wanted to capture the sort of the beauty of this sort of this Roman wedding and I wanted it to feel very you know sort of almost perfect visually because then you can contrast the terrible catastrophes that happen against the backdrop of this sort of beautiful perfect setting so Venice of course is an amazing place to shoot because it's wherever you put the camera you're going to see something amazing something gorgeous so yeah we were very spoiled in terms of 
the visuals for Honeymoon and also the experience of just being in Venice making a film. I mean, how how lucky am I to be doing that? It was quite fantastic. And I have to would be remiss if I didn't say just what a fantastic, lovely crew we had on the honeymoon. I mean, it was really just a really a special, a special time from the producers to all of the crew members. You know, the Italians are are wonderful people. I had a lot of good times and a lot of good relationships with a lot of our crew members. They're, they're great people. Yes, you looked like you had a good time on the film. And so as you think about the teachers or life lessons that have been important to you and what you feel about the importance of the arts, what would you like young people to know, preserve and remember? Oh, wow. That's such a big question. It's such an important question. I think that, well, firstly, try things try it because I remember being a child and thinking I'm just going to try writing a scene you know and I tried it and I was like oh I like doing this this is sort of I find this fun but I know a lot of people probably the vast majority of people would never have tried to do that try to write a scene and create characters it's just not something that you just naturally do in everyday life so I feel like try things, put yourself forward into situations, even if they're scary, even if you feel like, you know, I think that film especially is one of those sort of things that that feels so difficult to penetrate. It seems sort of very strange and, and it is difficult to penetrate, but, you know, everyone, everyone that's ever made a film or that's been part of a film has been just not part of the film industry at some point or the vast majority of people anyway and so it's about taking a step forward into an unknown possibly scary situation and then and giving it a go and being willing to take a chance and take a risk because that's what everyone did before you that's what I think. Well, thank you, Dean Craig, for sharing your gift of laughter and stories about friendships, relationships, and families that give life meaning. Thank you for adding your voice to the creative process. Thank you so much, Mia. The Creative Process Podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. This interview was conducted by Mia Funk with the participation of collaborating universities and students. Associate interviews produced on this episode was Sophie Garnier. Digital media coordinators are Jacob A. Preisler and Megan Hagenbarth. Wintertime was composed by Nicholas Anadolis and performed by the Athenian Trio. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you'd like to get involved with our creative community, exhibitions, podcasts, or submit your creative works for review, just drop us a line at team at creativeprocess.info. Thanks for listening.